I would like to submit to you an idea that may seem radical at first. But consider this. If Jesus was around today traveling and preaching like he was 2000 years ago, he'd be talking about social media. He'd be talking about this thing that we as people have gotten so entangled in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. These platforms have started to consume our lives, our time, our energy, and a lot of it has started to even mold our ideas, our character, how we address people's communicate, how we see the world, etc. The impact of it on the world has been unprecedented. We have not prepared for it, neither corporately nor personally. And today, I think we should talk about it in light of the Bible. I want you to ask yourself as we go through this, what kind of impact has social media had on my life? Where is it leading me? Is it bringing me closer to God, making me more like God? Or is it doing the opposite? Brothers and sisters, there has been a recent spike in the rate of suicides and depressions, especially among our young. The total number of teenagers who recently experienced depression increased 59% only between the years of 2007 and 2017. Why 2007 and 17? What was it that caused this incredible spike and increase of depression amongst our young people? Facebook, the company was founded in the year 2004. And as it grew a few years later, it became adopted by more and more people and young people. And by the year 2007 already had a big audience, a user base of people using it. And the and it only grew from there. And with it, we see our rate of depression amongst our young grow, grow and grow. This social media platform, which promised to bring people closer together actually made us feel more isolated than ever before. It had the opposite effect of what we thought we would get when we signed up for it. But not only that, there are many other things that it has caused. You see, for the first time ever, each and every person, no matter where you're from or who you are, you get your own page. You get your own public face, which you get to mold into whatever image you'd like it to be. And usually it's not the image of who you are in the real world. We write whatever we need for in the pursuit of likes and approval of others. We enter echo chambers of people who we find like minded to reaffirm our beliefs, even if those beliefs are dangerous, unbiblical, or void of the Messiah's character. As long as we find people to agree with us, we find affirmation and approval. And we see that as stating that we are correct and right in what we believe. And this pursuit of likes and acceptance, this what it does is it stirs up a pride in us. 
It causes us to just want to grow this image, grow this profile more and more into exactly what we want it to be. We mold it here and there. And sometimes approval and acceptance by the world is not a good thing. Because it means that you need to look less and less like the Messiah who he's and he because he said that the world will deny you. The world will hate what you have to say and think. If you are after me is what the Messiah said, because they hated him first. So if they are so acceptant of you, it's not always a good thing. It doesn't always mean you're in the right Not only does social media stir up pride within us to build this idol of ourselves. What it also does is it's become a tool for us to use to compare ourselves with others constantly. Not only is it about your profile. Oh, no, it's about the profiles of everyone. And we look at other people constantly as we scroll through our news feed or whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram pictures. We're constantly looking at other people. We're looking at hundreds of other so-called friends and we're looking at where they are in life, what they say and where we are. And what we are saying, we judge those who are different, even on things which we ought not to judge on. We consider ourselves as better and exalt ourselves because why else do we compare? The reason that you compare any product on the store shelf in the grocery store to one another, you're trying to see what's the best price. You're trying to see what's got better quality. You're trying to see what's going to be more healthy. You're trying to see which product is better. And that's fine. That's good. But that's not what we're supposed to extend towards people. God did not call us to look at people and see who is better. Oh, I am better or whatever the case, because the moment we go to that place in our minds, that evil, demonic place, what we're doing is we are disqualifying ourselves from being able to be a light and a witness of love to this person to draw them into the gospel. Yet see, oh, so often our public profiles have never been about the gospel. They've only been about us. It's been all about gathering those likes for our public profile for everyone to see. It's and then sometimes we slap a Bible verse on there or we put Christianity under our religion. And that's what we've done to use it for the gospel. Brothers and sisters, if we go and we say these platforms we're using for the gospel, you better be talking about the Messiah more than your own life. And look, there's nothing wrong with posting a picture of you or your family or or don't get me wrong. It's there's nothing wrong per se with those things. But when it becomes about you, when the things that you spend so much energy and time in is about you and comparing you and your family to others, where have we fallen? How far have we fallen from what the Messiah called us to do and be to be a loving sacrifice? You see, a sacrifice means you give something up. You give up what people will think of you. You give up what you saying the things to please the ears of men or even to just please the ears of people who would agree with you, who you want to agree with. No, he calls you to be different and set apart. And with these fake online personalities that we so meticulously craft for ourselves, we go ahead and hide behind a keyboard and a screen 
And we are so easy to say things to people we would never dare to say to them if we were face to face. And the verse of how God spoke through James and James wrote about how the tongue is like an evil member of the body. It has taken a new face now because now it is because we would say things we would never say in real life to people. Now the tongue has only become even more deadly. James says the following in James chapter three, verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. The tongue is the most evil member of the body who can tame it. It's set on fire by hell itself oftentimes. And now in this place, we find ourselves, we easily say things to people like cowards hiding behind a keyboard, things we would never say in person. Brothers and sisters, know to yourself this. Do not dare say anything to anyone you would not say to their face in real life. Do not critique this or that or pause judgment or this or that, if you were not going to be able to go to that person in real life and gently correct them if necessary. Why is it so easy for us to say such provocative things online? But on, and when we're in person, we're so afraid. We're not, a, you know, it's so easy to go. We have so much boldness behind the keyboard to go and throw stones at people and judge. But we don't even have the guts to walk up to someone in a grocery store and tell them about Jesus. How disgusting are we for being so? If you want to be bold, don't try and be bold behind your keyboard. Be bold in the real world where it really matters, where you can really reach someone like you could never do online. And there's ways to reach people online. That's why I'm making this video. But why do we try and throw stones online? And then we, but we can't even love in real life. You see, brothers and sisters, this is what social media creates in us. Hard hearts who just judge and critiques everyone who looks different than we do. And our fake image does. You see, we create a fake image. We are not even what we say we are online and then we judge people for not even being that way. We're no different from the Pharisees who put burdens on people to uphold that we can't, aren't even doing ourselves to be so holy while we are have sins in the closet anyway. Yet we throw stones at sinners like that Pharisee and the tax collector. We go like the Pharisee and say, oh, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like these other men. How, how shameful. And brothers and sisters, you need to understand these, these, the way that the, these things are impacting our characters and personalities is not just by accident. You see, the people who run the social networks, these companies, they understand that if you, they can get you angry, if they can get you to gossip, if they can get you to stab people in the back and talk and online about unwholesome things. They know that you'll come back for it the next day because they're feeding your flesh and you won't resist to be able to come back the next day. So what they'll do is they'll go and they'll put things in your feed to provoke you on purpose 
to make you to talk, to get you offended, to get you angry, to get you whatever, get your emotions stirred up in a negative manner. Just so you get all pumped up and so that you can come back the next day and the next day because you're their customer. And as long as you're there, you're the product because you get fed to the advertisers. And that's all. It's all in their interest to get you on there and they'll do whatever they need to get you on there, even if it's immoral means. Do you see what the enemy has tried to do through this thing that we so love in this world, these platforms? And for some of us, this is not really our problem with social media at all. Rather, social media has become our pacifier. It's become the thing that we run to when we don't feel good, when something has happened that is not pleasant to deal with, when we feel emotions that are negative, maybe hurtful, maybe you're sad, maybe you're angry, maybe you're depressed, whatever it is, you feel these emotions because something happened in your life. And then what you do is you go to social media, you go to Facebook or Instagram, or you put something on just to get your mind off of these things that you need to actually address. And what you do is you try and address these things through pleasing your flesh instead of addressing it by the spirit, instead of addressing it by the word of God, which he has given you for your healing and freedom. You see, brothers and sisters, if you go ahead and you continuously try and address it with your feelings with simply pacifying it by scrolling mindlessly through a newsfeed or comparing yourself to others or whatever the case is, you will find these emotions never get dealt with and the hole only gets dug deeper and deeper for you. And now you find yourself in such a state of depression, anxiety, fear, because you never addressed what the enemy's been planting in your mind through the scripture, because you've only been trying to please your flesh instead. And so the flesh rules in you. The flesh has power because the spirit has never ruled. And so social media becomes just another addiction on our laundry list of addictions. You know, some people are addicted to alcohol. Other people get addicted to drugs or or cigarettes or or whatever. They find something to help them cope with their stress. Right. And for some of us, that has become social media. We use this thing to try and cope with our issues instead of solving our issues and addressing our feelings with the word of God. And coming to a solution that brings actual healing instead of simply pushing things back, setting things aside, push it, putting it to the back while never actually addressing it. Brothers and sisters, you need to understand the reason I'm so passionate about this topic is because I grew up as a millennial within the first generation to really receive technology in the way we did with and with the advent of social media. I was the one who went through it and already grew up to a point where I can look back and see what it did to my peers and myself and what how it changed the way that people see the world. You need to understand that as adults, you know, people who are uh, generations much older than I am, 
I respect you, but you do not always understand because you did not grow up within the advent of this technology. So the impact of it on children is not fully understood by the parents oftentimes. So with that being said, you need to understand that with what I know today as someone who was a teenager when social media rolled in. And I, when I grow up and, I, and the father, if the father affords me children, I am not going to let them have social media accounts. I am not going to let them even have smartphones as teenagers. I am not going to give them that Pandora's box, if you will, that 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 access to evil that they are receiving when I give them that thing in their hands where they have the whole world of access of information in the palm of their hands, which is not something a child can understand or have responsibility to handle. Not only that, I understand because I worked in the technology sector before I became a full time minister. I was a user experience designer. What I did, I was the guy who companies came to. I was a contractor who worked for big corporations and they came with their corporate needs and with the needs of their users. And I had to work with their websites, their apps, their platforms, and I helped make these platforms better to use for people. Now, I in my personal field was blessed to not have been involved in immoral ideas. But there are many companies who do take people like of my profession who use them for immoral ideas. And I, with my background, can understand deeply how this works and how these ideas are transported into technology, the technologies that you are using when you open Facebook or Instagram or whatever else. You need to understand that they are weaponizing information against you. You need to understand that information is being tailored to you and the information that's tailored is determined by advertisers who have deep pockets. And what I mean, you need to understand this. Facebook follows you around on the Internet. If you have a Facebook account, right, and you go onto different websites, the websites that are not Facebook, right? The websites that have nothing to do with Facebook. Facebook can still track you on many of them because many of these website websites have adapted code from Facebook that tracks you all over the internet. This is done when you see, for example, that login using your Facebook account button on a website. If you see that button, you're being tracked. But there's also other technologies like Pixel, which also tracks you even if you're unaware of it. And so Facebook and not just Facebook, other platforms as well, they create this profile of who you are internally, a profile that's not just a public profile on your Facebook account or your Instagram account or your whatever account it is, but they're creating a profile that you don't see that is full of metadata information about you that you wouldn't even believe they have on you. 
the information on, regarding your beliefs, regarding where you go shopping, regarding who your best friends are, regarding what you do with your time, regarding everything. They know more about you than many of your own wives or husbands do because they're tracking every Google search. They're tracking every image you're Googling and looking at how long you're looking at it, etc. So now they have all this wealth of information on you. They allow advertisers or the highest bidder to come and target you based off that information. And they will display information to you in your feed ads as well as non ads so that they can sway your opinions over time so they can affect the way you think about things like God or or even science or or anything political ideas, whatever it is. They're using it and you can say, PD, I'm not being affected by that because I'm woke. Listen, this is something that happens over time, over years. They're very patient. And as they expose you to the, this information tailored for your profile, they go and they're able to slowly change the perceptions of people around the world into certain ideas. And I want to submit to you that those ideas more often than not are not moral nor biblical. Typically, if you are using the service of a private corporation for free, you're not paying anything for it. You are likely the product. You are the way that they make money. And that usually means your data is involved or it is about swaying your perceptions. But what is there to do about this situation? Our children are most vulnerable because they are very impressionable. They're also because of their youth, more susceptible to things like depression, especially our girls, even more so than the boys. But the boys are not excluded. As I said earlier, I really recommend and urge parents to consider whether they're going to give them smart devices. The scripture says that we need to train them up in the way they should go in Proverbs 22 verse 6. And it also says that if we do that, they will not then depart from it. But if the way that we train up our children is by handing them a phone that has access to this wealth of information, some of it good and a lot of it evil, we are training them with that information, whether we like it or not, because they, we are giving them access to it freely. And then when our son becomes addicted to pornography years later, we scratch our head and ask, why is it that even though we gave them a Christian education, they're still walking away from the Lord? It's because while you may give them a good Christian education, if at the same time you're giving them the tree of knowledge and good of good and evil before they're ever ready to even be able to decide what's good and evil, they're going to start just consuming all the stuff on the Internet and they're going to walk. Some of them may walk away from the Lord or just fall into sin upon sin. If for some reason you have to give your children or teenagers access to smart devices, then I would say 
do it, but restrict their usage using uh, software in terms of what they can view or also restrict how much time they're spending on it using screen time. There's an app on iOS devices, Apple devices called screen time, which you can easily restrict them with how much time they're spending on it. And lastly, conduct random checks of their phone, looking through their browsing history, through their pictures. You need to have a relationship. I know some parents would feel like I'm going over the line here, but listen, you need to have a relationship with your children where there is conditions to using a phone if you're going to give them a phone. And it has to be that I'm allowed to randomly look at what is going on in your phone. And that's the condition. If that condition cannot be there, it is so out of your control. And as the parent of the child whom the Lord has given you this child to look over and protect, how can you look after them if you have no access to see what they are looking at, what they are spending their time to? How can you protect them from an enemy that you are saying, I will not see? I will close my eyes towards even looking for whether it has invaded my room, my house. Brothers and sisters, here's the thing. Because they're teenagers, they're living under your roof. They are your children. You have a responsibility over them. And yes, we have to afford them privacy. But when it comes to their usage of the, a phone, something that has access to such a wealth of evil, we need to really consider saying we want to be able to go to take the phone at any point and look through whether there is any issues that our children are looking at. You consider that too strong. You consider that as as invading privacy. Well, then don't give your kids phones. That's what I would say. If you want my opinion, you want your children protected, then do what is necessary to protect them. And do not then come later. If you do not implement these things, do not come later and ask, Lord, what happened? What did we do wrong? This is what we are doing wrong. Listen to me. This is what we are doing wrong. And we are going to lose a generation because of it. Because the God of our God, our Father, is quick, quickly comes to correct us in gentleness and love if we as His child looks or does something incorrectly. Because He sees all things. But if you close your eyes towards what your children are busy with for the sake of their privacy, and then you see them walk away from the Lord for the sake of their privacy, come on. No. What is more important is for them to walk in purity unto the Lord so that when they're old enough, yes, when they become an adult, they're going to get exposed to the world and everything there is in it. And then they're going to be old enough to decide. But as a teenager, they're not old enough to decide. They're not old enough to decide what they're going to look at, what they shouldn't be looking at. They're not old enough to decide and be responsible about how much time they're spending on a phone. They don't have that ability yet, but you do. And you need to use that responsibility, that intuition as a, that the Lord has given you as a parent over your children. We need to say it like it is. When we give our children access to these things openly as much as they want, as to go wherever they want with it, we are literally giving them access to pornography material. This is why 
How many, what is the statistics? Six out of 10 girls and nine out of 10 boys have seen pornography before the age of 18. That's how it is today as we're standing here. Nine out of 10 of our boys and six out of 10 of our daughters have watched pornography before. This is unprecedented, higher than ever before, any generation before this. Our children have access to things they ought not to have access to. So when we look at it this way, we can understand why we need to be more strict regarding these things. And we should stop just trusting our educators, the teachers or the pastors to do education on morals or spiritual matters or the things I am talking about right now. We need to be the one to educate our children on a spiritual basis with and with on moral th- ideas as well as other ideas. When they go to their teachers, they're going to hear things. You need to be their primary educator. When they go to YouTube and they listen to some weird false prophet, they needed to have heard the truth in terms of spiritual things from you first. Do not just trust this to the world or even to simply your pastor, because God has called you to be their primary educator. And that's what we ought to be as parents. We must explain to our children and educate them on the moral, the psychological and even the sexual issues that are that are attached to everything that I've been talking about here today. We can't just take away things from them and and without explanation. We have to tell them about that. There are things there is something called pornography. When they get of age, we need to tell them there is something like this. It is an evil thing. This is why it is wrong. We need to tell them social media has its issues and this is why. And you can tell them the things I just shared in this video. We need to share these things with our children so that we have open conversations with them so that they can understand why they are not allowed to have what their their friends have and that there is good reason for it because you are protecting them. They're not missing out because really they're not. They're only being blessed by it. When we start having these conversations with our children, and being the ones to first have the conversations about these topics before they have these conversations with the world, then we will be able to harbor open conversations with them and they will be able to come to you open heartedly with questions about whatever they get exposed to or see. And that's what we want. We want our children to have that with us. But it means that we must be having the we need to be having these conversations with them before they get exposed to those things. Furthermore, what we can do is other things like evaluating with ourselves. How much time do we actually spend on our phones? scrolling versus reading the scriptures versus praying, spending time with the father. Is this an idol in our hands? Has this become something that consumes so much time and energy that it is not healthy for us anymore? Is it something that is starting to affect the way that we view others, ourselves or even God? You see, brothers and sisters, with this, we cannot be a hypocrite towards our children and say you need to limit the way you spend your time on your phone. However, if we do the same thing, what how can we say that to them? 
we must lead by an example and oftentimes the kids follow the examples of the parents who are just as addicted as they are. Brothers and sisters, I really want us all to consider talking about this topic. Public awareness is important. Within our communities and fellowships, I want you to consider sparking conversation about this topic. How much is this affecting our character? How much is, are these networks affecting our ideas and ideologies and leanings, that of us and our children? How much are these things affecting our relationships with God? I want you to ask yourself that question. And if it is, bring it before the Father and let him show you what to do about this for the protection of yourself, your very soul, as well as that of your family. I hope that this teaching has blessed you. Subscribe to this channel for more just like this one. Like this video, share it with your friends. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Shalom.